confession time here. I'm on the tail end of probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half worth of a rabbit hole on YouTube searching for a specific clip which best encapsulates kind of the way that I feel right now, the emotions that I've got about bike racing and doing a preview show. I know where this clip comes from. I know the TV show that it comes from more specifically, but I can't seem to find it. And the problem is, is that it spiraled out of control. So I started here with space above and beyond. Mid-1990s classic genre of sci-fi. It was so objectively terrible that it was scheduled to run for five years, but only ran for one. It was a masterpiece of CGI in the mid-90s, but that's just about it. Space Above and Beyond, very simple story. The United States Navy or Royal Navy, not really sure, but it's definitely the Marine Corps, is in a war with this alien species known as the Chigs or Chiggies. That's the pejorative term that we gave them. That's probably not the term that they have. But the main bad character, the main alien character in that who is the villain of the whole series, is known as Chiggy von Richthofen, named after, of course, Baron von Richthofen, or Manfred Richthofen, which we all commonly know as the Red Baron, the ace of aces from World War One, arch enemy of Snoopy, and probably one of the greatest pilots in, in recorded history. I'd put him maybe at a second or third behind Lieutenant Pete Mitchell, United States Navy, who, as we all know, almost single-handedly with his Rio, that's R-I-O, Radar Intercept Officer Merlin, nearly shot down an entire squadron of Soviet fighters after the SS Leighton had entered into enemy territory in the Indian Ocean. Not really sure. I get a lot of my history from TV and movies. It may have not happened exactly like that. Regrettably, Merlin's name has been lost to history. That was just his call sign. But we all know Lieutenant Pete Mitchell, great American model pilot. So Space Above and Beyond led me to another great movie, which was Starship Troopers. 1997, it features a pre- How I Met Your Mother, Neil Patrick Harris, and a pre-Charlie Sheen version of of Denise Richards. Side note about Denise Richards, born in Downers Grove, Illinois, the home of the National Criterium Championship that a lot of people say needs to come back and also is the only real National Criterium Championship. And it is also the first place that I ever saw or learned about bike racing. My dad owned a store on Main Street in Downers Grove, about a mile away from the finish line of that race. And unlike a lot of people who their first intro into bike racing was Tour de France, mine was Criterium Racing. I don't think that things have changed very much since then. Starship Troopers leads all the way back to Full Metal Jacket, 1987, Stanley Kubrick, Matthew Modine. If I've got to explain Full Metal Jacket, I'm sorry. We just don't have time for that. That movie, Full Metal Jacket and Space Above and Beyond, linked together is because of R. Lee Ermey, Gunny. You all remember Gunny from Full Metal Jacket, the gunnery sergeant that leads kind of the whole thing. Well, Gunny is in Space Above and Beyond because it begins in boot camp. And nobody plays a gunnery sergeant better than Ermy because he was one. Sadly, he died in 2018, way too young, way too early. We got to keep moving on here. Ultimately, this whole rabbit hole ends with a rousing rendition of the Battle Hymn of the Republic overlaid on top of scenes from Gods and Generals and Gettysburg. As you can tell, I've got the emotional energy right now of somebody who's had a liter of Grimper Brothers poured straight into their veins, and then on top of it, just chased it with the 24-pack of Red Bull. I am so excited, so incredibly excited, because we are doing a preview show. We are doing a show about bike racing, and it's all about to start right now. My name's Rob Kelly. This is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. When you enter into a discussion about previewing 2021 and trying to be comprehensive about the entire season, it's an impossible task. 
Celine Oberholzer, Alan Schroeder, and I spend the first 30 minutes talking about USA crits, new venues, new teams, predictions for who's going to be the individual champion or who's going to end up on the podium. And we barely even scratch the surface. There are a host of incredible races that are not a part of USA crits, nationals, intelligentsia, gateway cup, sunny King. There are so many things going on this year. So to say this is comprehensive is not accurate. We want to preview. We want to make you intelligent. We want to give you words and names of people to look out for so that when Brad Soner, Fakey Frankie, Andreo, Dave Towley, and the rest are announcing these races and you're watching the coverage on YouTube or elsewhere, that you get to see people that we're talking about, that we've educated you enough so that you can go, oh, I know who Connor Saley is. Oh, I know who Connor Dellenbank is. Oh, I know who Connor Mullervy is. Team Connor, hashtag, it's going to be a great year for those guys. Beyond that, predicting who's going to win any specific race is just a exercise in futility, but one that we're really eager to engage in right now at the beginning of the season. So when we talk about Shannon Koch, or we talk about Tina Pick, or we talk about any of the other incredible women who are out there, we are not really sure who's going to show up at any given time. But we're talking in generalities. We're trying to give you an idea of who to look out for, who are the people who in 2019 were doing great and would likely continue to be doing good this year. That's why we're going to come back race after race after race this year and give you more detailed predictions and recap of who did good, who's likely to do good, who we're looking forward to seeing racing, and who's been out of the mix. Wide Angle Podium, a little bit of a transition here, wideanglepodium.com. It is the home of this show. We are a proud member of it. It is the internet and world's only collection of top-tier independent cycling content. Head there, subscribe, become a member, check out what the guys on the Slow Ride podcast are doing, the Grodio, Cyclocross Radio, Nowhere Fast, the great work that Zach Schuster, Kevin Bichard Hall, Mike Swart are doing. A little bit of a inside baseball there. We recently had a network-wide Zoom call where we all got together to talk about what's going on. Zach and Kevin both show up riding Zwift during the call. That is dedication to your craft. That is something that needs to be shouted out and respected. Love it. Love what you guys are doing. Check out what they're doing. This show is brought to you by Source Endurance. Source-e.net is your home. We've got a message coming up in a few seconds from Alan Schroeder of CS Velo about his coach, Kristen Arnold, with Source Endurance. Check out what they've got to offer. Check out all the coaching services, nutrition services, all of it. And when you do find what you're looking for, use the promo code CriteriumNation at checkout for $50 off. So. All of this aside, preludes, all of it, we've got an incredible year coming up in 2021. It has been two years since we've all gotten the chance to go toe-to-toe when the best 1% of bike racers get together face-to-face, mano-a-mano, in the peloton, towing the line. God, all of it is just so wonderful. I cannot wait for armed forces in that first race. Celine Oberholzer from Wolfpack ATX, Alan Schroeder from CS Velo, and I are about to break it all down. Hey there. My name is Alan Schroeder. I'm a road and cyclocross athlete out of Boise, Idaho. And I've been working with Coach Kristen Arnold since about 2017, I believe. Uh, And I can just remember when she first told me that she was going to be making the switch to Source Endurance, just kind of how excited about it she was, you know, to be working with a group of like-minded individuals who all had secondary degrees, kind of master's degrees, PhDs, that sort of thing. And um, excited about the opportunity that that would provide her to learn and grow as a coach. And I can definitely say that since she made that switch in 2019, I have been the one reaping the, the rewards from that. You know, all of my workouts since then have been really clear and structured. And I always know you know, kind of the point or what the, the goal of the workout is. And yeah, I mean, I've been or am currently in probably the best shape of my life, or at least my, my power numbers have been the best they've ever been. 
and that's been a really great experience for me. Um, and I would, you know, definitely recommend Kristen or really any one of the coaches within the, the catalog of Source and Burns coaches to one of my cyclist friends or anyone who's really just looking to add a little bit of structure and direction to their training for whatever the, their goals are. And I'm starting here with a non sequitur specifically because I because I, I came up with it on my ride today and I, I thought it was funny. It's going to fall flat on its face, but whatever. I'm going for it. What's your favorite topping on pizza? So, so, you know, Celine, tell me what is let's start with you because you're the youngest. What's your favorite topping on pizza? I'm pretty much diehard pineapple on pizza fan. Spinach is another go-to for sure. Alan, what about you? I'm sorry, did you... Spinach was your second choice of your favorite topping on pizza? Yeah, I love spinach. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I can definitely get down with the pineapple on pizza. I think it elevates it every time, but I'm just a, a old school. Pepperoni. Pepperoni, cheese, sauce. You don't need anything else. What I'm not hearing on either of you is beef. And that's a little disconcerting as a Chicagoan, as somebody who who like grew up in the height of pizza culture, you don't have beef. And I think we need to export this to Emo's. And if you're not familiar with Emo's, Emo's is the pizzeria in St. Louis that uses the Prevel cheese. It's the famous one. If we could get them to make a Prevel cheese pizza with beef on it and call it Hashtag crit beef. I'll eat it. Thank you for letting me take that Michael Bodigheimer level pun walk. It was long, but I feel like it's worth it. That's going to be probably, hopefully, the only crit beef reference during the course of this because Adam Meyerson and I spent so much time last week dissecting the criterium beef debate that spawned from Travis and Justin. And and if you want more, the Slow Ride podcast guys, they go over the top like they always do. We've got so much to cover here with the 2021 season preview. It is only one, two weeks away now for Armed Forces, which I'm calling the, the starting point of the big crits of the year. There's a lot going on, but we need to start with not armed forces, but with the race that comes after that, which is Tulsa. We'll circle back to armed forces because it is a big race and it's definitely worth talking about. But Tulsa starts the USA crits calendar for 2021. And because we're in this weird year, we need to talk about how things have changed and how it will change things. In years past, there's been an opening event. Typically, it had been Birmingham, and then you get Spartanburg and Athens, and you have a natural build towards Tulsa, towards these supreme massive events with 125, 130-person fields. This year, you skip all that. You go right to Tulsa. The worry is is that people are going to get into these big, massive races without a lot of experience in their legs, not enough miles of racing. We're not all as lucky as Celine to have the driveway in our backyard sort of thing. So do you guys think that the racing at the beginning of this year is going to look the same as it would in a normal beginning of a USA Crits calendar or... You know, are we going to be starting with a step back and you're going to see a massive progression moving forward? What do you think it's going to look like? Alan, start with you. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think whoever decided that Tulsa Tough was going to be the first race of the series must be like an MMA fan or something. And they just wanted to see an all out like crit brawl and bodies hitting the floor. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be crazy. In a good way, but crazy. I think, you know, there have been a lot of small races happening all over the place. So I don't think people are going to be coming in 
completely untrained or having done zero racing, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, everyone is certainly going to be very fired up for it, willing to risk it all, just to, like come out swinging and make an impact first race of the year. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Now, Celine, the gravel miles that you've been doing with on your state bike or your state bicycles bike, is that going to come in handy for that first corner at Blue Dome? Or is this just, you know, it's been a lot of fun, but now it's time to get to work? Um, in terms of bike handling, I definitely think that having um, some versatility with gravel and mountain biking definitely helps. It is, I mean, obviously the, the technique in cornering is a little bit different in gravel and trails, but I definitely think having just a variety of experiences helps in a lot of ways. But in terms of fitness, um, crit fitness is definitely a lot different from the like six hour plus fitness. So I think the only way to really get prepared for crits is to race crits. <laughs> and you've been doing it. Congrats on your multiple wins at the driveway. Uh, I guess driveway is going to get even bigger and bigger and bigger. The absence of series or races like the driveway in some other parts of the country, I think, is to the detriment of our communities. We need more races like that. I wish that there was a racetrack in the heart of D.C. Oh, wait, there is. It's called RFK Stadium. But for some odd reason, they won't open it to bike races. I digress. You know. What is it about the driveway that is so darn magical that so many people come from like all over the country to come to this Thursday night race? I think the uh, Austin cycling community is really where the magic happens. Um, I think some people would argue the community was already here and the driveway presented an opportunity for the community to gather. And Central Texas in general is really special because you have three really major cities, all fairly within close proximity. You've got Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. So four cities, all very close together. Um, and everyone can kind of come together at the driveway and um, trade blows. <laughs> With USA Crits in 2021, we have a little bit of a lull the way that the schedule worked out where it's it's highly compressed. Normally it would start in March and go to the end of August. Now it is basically, it starts in June, but you have a month off from Tulsa to the second race, which is Boise. And that's in the middle part, basically July 10th. Then you go hard, July 10th, July 17th and 18th. Uh, July 31 is in Littleton, and you spend a lot of time in the Mountain West, a lot of time actually at elevation. Alan, I know that Boise isn't exactly at like boulder levels of elevation, but do you think that the way that the schedule works out, where you are going to be in Salt Lake City, which is way above where Celine and I are comfortable at sea level is going to play to the advantage of guys like you or the Muller V's or any of the folks who train and live in, in elevated areas. Oh man, I sure hope so. I think, you know, even like you said, Boise isn't that high. Uh, Salt Lake is higher. Um, and even at the kind of not very high or the elevations that they are at, despite not being very high, it still can sneak up on you, especially when you're doing crit-like efforts and, you know, attacking lap after lap after lap. Um, you get into the red zone, like, surprisingly quicker, quickly, and then it, you really struggle to, to come back from that. So my hope is definitely that when people start really struggling, that's when I can kind of, like, sneak a cheeky little move in there. But, you know, I think most people, most people have raced in Boise or raced in Salt Lake or somewhere at elevation. So overall, I think everybody pretty much knows what to expect at this point. What I like about the way that the calendar is starting to build is that it's no longer just one-off races, that the the crits are now coalescing around other events. At, you know, even with Boise, you've got the Chrono Kristen Armstrong the day before, the, the Fondo that's the day after. So it's a fun weekend experience. One thing that USA Crits jumped on this year was a second day of Salt Lake. 
I know that's going to not make the guys from ButcherBox happy because they crashed their entire team out in 2019 in the finale of the Salt Lake City race. Hopefully they've got better luck this year. But do you see Tulsa, you know, or Salt Lake or the Boise or the Speed Week type event where you're bringing a bunch of people together? You've got one day of USA Crits, but you've got other days of bike event, bike racing as a as a benefit, Celine. 100%. Yeah, I think just from a logistical standpoint, um, making it worthwhile in terms of the expense of travel and just the amount of time that travel takes, going to an event where there's two days of racing is you get a lot more bang for your buck. And that's why events like Intelligentsia and Toad, I think, have so much success because you travel once and then you get almost two straight weeks of crits. Yeah, for for teams that have pretty minimal budgets to work with, I think that's really appealing. We don't have one of our sta- our staple events this year. Westchester did not make it back onto the USA Crits calendar. The event is actually just not being held in 2021. The hope is that it comes back in 2022 and it'll be great. The city will be back behind it. The city's always been behind that event. So it'll be really great to see it. I had hoped we'd also see Harlem return because there's something inherently awesome about racing and then turning to see the Chrysler building right out the view of corner one and having that community of, of folks in Harlem embracing the race and embracing the folks that come there is, is great. But weirdly enough, the Midwest and the Northeast is unrepresented this year in USA crits. I know you got to play with the, or you have to dance with the girl who brought you sort of thing. So the events this year are not there. Is it something that you guys see as a detriment that there are no races in the Northeast? There are no races in the Midwest. I'm going to stay with you, Celine, because you do actually have a connection to those regions. You're, you know, from Chicago originally and you know, you had that time in Canada, which is way far northeast, but it is Canada. It would be nice to see um, the races scattered a little bit more evenly throughout the country. I think the Midwest has a lot to offer. I think rec- or in the recent past, Gateway Cup was a part of the USA Crit Series. And seeing something like that happen in the future would be pretty cool. Another place that I'm biased about is Indianapolis. I think it's a super underrated city could has offered some really great crits there. So yeah, definitely seeing Midwest featured um, would be cool to see. Yeah. Cause I, I remember distinctly, I was exceptionally high on fentanyl having just broken my collarbone the day before, <laughs> but I got to enjoy 2018. The Hill was a USA crits event and it was the finale. Super cool to see the guys from team cliff bar getting, their uh, championship then, David Gutenplan, won that year, I recall correctly. I don't remember who won on the woman's side, but remember, broken collarbone, high on fentanyl sort of thing. <laughs> there is, Alan, an issue that we need to deal with, and we need to be honest with ourselves that racing USA crits and the challenge of getting from place to place is super expensive. Is this just a thing that's inherent with the United States and the fact that our geography is just at scale? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely definitely a drawback. Uh, when you If you look at racing like cyclocross over in Europe, the big thing that they always tout there is the fact that everything's within, you know, like a two, three, four hour drive. Although sometimes the UCI is able to schedule things, so you have to drive much further. Not the point. Uh, we struggle with that, though, just because everything is much, much more than a two, three or four hour drive. I think at least kind of that block like you're talking about in the Mountain West, at least going from Boise to Salt Lake to Denver, uh, you know, that's kind of you're always heading in the right direction there. That's definitely going to help out. And like Celine was talking about, you know, 
kind of bang for your buck you know you can fly everybody out into boise and then they can all just kind of stay there and then you can go to salt lake and everybody can stay together so i think that will that will help drive up the numbers of people willing to to travel potentially across the country just to go race their bike because it would be great if we could legitimately do everything within a uh, an area the size of massachusetts you know effectively that's what belgium is and you can move pretty easily around those areas. Now, don't, you know, don't sleep on the fact that Boston traffic is abysmal and you will get lost no matter what going through Boston. So you might have to add extra time. Uh, another event that isn't on the calendar this year, sadly, San Rafael, uh, you know, I wanted to be complete uh, with the list of events that's not on the calendar. San Rafael from Northern California, obviously, a great event and one that we hope will come back in the next year. But we need to switch to new things, new things, meaning new teams. And so you've got a lot of the, the folks that you would expect to see in USA crits coming back. Tom Gibbons and his team automatic racing will be back. Cliff bar is back again. CS Velo, Alan, your team, they're right there again. The Jersey's a little bit different because you're sponsored now by Ventum. DNA Cycling, Colavita Legion, ButcherBox, they're all back. But we've got new teams. And I want to start on the women's side because there's two new teams that I think a lot of us are curious about. And Celine, being from Texas, you have experience with United Cycling. And then everybody's really like, who is this team out of South Florida? Who is Extra Sweet Racing, the Amino Rip version of the women's team who are they so tell us about united cycling and then let's speculate a bit about these women from miami so i mean that's always awesome having new teams pop up especially after a difficult year like 2020 when a lot of teams struggled with um, budget and surviving through the year so seeing new teams show up on the scene is really excited are exciting. Luckily, I do have some experience racing with United and that'll be um that'll be pretty nice having that familiarity, but I'm definitely also curious about Extra Sweet Amino Rip because I've seen some of their racing um happening in Panama and in Florida and it looks like they're they're really ripping it up. So, it's going to be interesting having a team that I don't really know very much about. Um, and it, there's going to be a lot of um, adaptation as we kind of figure out what their strengths are, maybe what their weaknesses are. Um, and yeah, everyone's going to be learning together. So it'll be really exciting. You guys obviously benefited a little bit from the breakup of ButcherBox with Wolfpack picking up Kristen Arnold and Julie Kalitza. Is there a change of personnel within these teams that we need to like take a, a, a fresh look at? You know, Colavita, they they lost a couple of the women who had made them something special in 2019, but they've put in a whole new cadre of women who are going to be right there alongside them. It's interesting because you might have like, I don't know, six really powerful women, but it's it all really comes down to what they can do together, how everyone gels in terms of personalities, in terms of strengths, because you probably don't want to have just six people who have wicked fast sprints. You want to have a little bit of versatility on the team. And so it is always really interesting when the teams get a nice little shakeup because someone might have a really killer roster one year. And then even just changing two of the riders really affects the dynamic. Um, and that could be either positive or negative. I just noticed, I pulled up the page here for the USA Crits D1 teams. And I, I dialed into the page with the team kits as opposed to the front page. ButcherBox fundamentally changed their entire color scheme. Like the kit looks nothing like what it looked like for 2020 and 2019. It's amazing. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's amazing. I don't know what it's going to I don't know what it's going to look like in person, but I I can't wait. Alan, we're going to switch to the men's side. There were some newer teams that came in in 2020, never got to actually raise, but they are still new. 
Good Guys Racing out of New York City, Primal Audi of Denver, the Nashville Local Cyclists. Obviously, Nashville Local Cyclists known for winning Zwift races. Let's hope they can translate that into winning real-life races. On top of those teams, we're adding Best Buddies Racing, which has to be somebody's favorite out there with Eric Marcotte, Travis McCabe, Michael Hernandez. That's, uh, I, I'm, I'm out of fingers and the number of national championships between the three of them. Danny Estevez, brand new addition to their team coming from ButcherBox. There has to be drama going on behind that. You also have Amino Rip and then Miami Blazers. Uh, Blazers spelled B-L-A-Z-R-S or maybe it's B-L-A-R-Z-R. I'm not really sure. We're leaving out a vowel. I know that grammar is my stickler thing, but like, come on, I need my vowels. They make sense of the words. But it is the Legion of Los Angeles spinoff team in Miami. And we also have Strike Cycling, the U23 team. With all this new influx of people and racers, is there going to be a shakeup on the men's side? To be honest, I don't think there will be. I mean, there is a bunch of new teams. There's a ton of new teams who opted to be D1 this year. But when you kind of dig into the people on those teams, it's just like, oh, yeah, it, it, it's all the same guys. Um, I think the fact that everyone is sort of organizing themselves onto teams means that the racing itself will be super dynamic, but I don't know in if I can, or in the words of Justin Williams, like it changes nothing. Um, the racing is still going to be fast. Everyone's still going to be super aggressive. Uh, everybody, you know, is experienced. They know what they're doing and are eager to get after it, I suppose. I know I'm eager just to watch. I, I, I mean, like the idea of live bike racing is something that I've missed. And I knew that this was a thing that I missed it when my wife turned to me one day and said, I mean, this was just like out of the blue. I mean, we're literally probably watching Shit's Creek for the 50,000th time. And she turns to me and goes, I miss bike racing. (laughs) i'm like i'm right there with you that's how you know you picked the right person oh my god i definitely did i did marry up uh she is my way better half let's talk about the contenders in usa crits and this is where i'm going to turn to celine because she's got this saying that i have heard her say a few times now and i want her to say it again because it is so amazingly critical to understand what we're dealing with when we're dealing with predictions for 2021. So Celine, what is it that we need to remind ourselves of about the X factor of not having a clue what really happened in 2020 for the contenders for 2021? I think this is what you want me to say, but Um, also what I want to say anyway, so I'm just going to go for it. Um, when making predictions for 2021, I think it's going to be kind of a crapshoot because just because someone was on the podium a lot in 2019, you can't say with full confidence that they're still going to be there in 2021. Because to me, it kind of seemed like people were either training all of 2020 or they weren't training at all. And there uh, wasn't much in between. So it'll be really interesting to see. Um, I'm kind of anticipating seeing a lot of people who were finishing mid-pack making some appearances on the podium. And that I think 2021 is going to be full of surprises. Definitely. Like we are talking about, I think people have been able to do some races locally. But when trying to make predictions for who's going to do well in like USA crits, that's not super helpful because it's like, oh, yeah, they won like these three races down the street from their house. But it's like, well, yeah, of course, you'd expect them to win that if they're going to try and be like competitive at, you know, the top level in our in our country. Um, So it's still, like you said, kind of a crapshoot, just like we have hunches, but those hunches could be completely off. So, Alan, give us your hunch. Give us your hunch on the women's side. Who do you think 
just one person. I'm not going to put you on the spot to name the top 10 because that's 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 just chaos causing. But who do you think? Name somebody on the women's side that ends up on the podium this year in USA Crits overall. I'm probably going to have to go with someone from Celine's team. Uh, they have a lot of cards to play this year. Um, a lot of a lot of fast women, but Summer Moke is someone who you know has been doing the damn thing for a while now. Looked really good. Uh, was super competitive in 2019. So I guess Celine would know better than I would know, assuming that she's had a good 2020 and is feeling ready to get after it. Um, I think she would be someone to keep an eye on. Who do you think Celine is going to bring the heat from the women's side? Absolutely. I mean, am I allowed to say summer? <laughs> you can totally say summer. Truth is truth. I mean, I love this when when witnesses that I'm preparing for testimony are like, "Am I am I allowed to say? Am I allowed to say this?" I'm like, "Is it the truth?" Well, yes. Then yes, those are the words that probably should come out of your mouth. So, it sounds like you guys both think summer moke is gonna not necessarily run away with it but she's gonna put her stamp on the 2021 season i'm gonna come in with a little bit of a hotter take maybe i don't know maybe some people think summer's a hot take i'm gonna go with cola vita and shannon coke and i'm probably mispronouncing that but that's the way that i was taught that C-K-O-C-H come together to make a sound. She's been killing it in the South Florida scene. She's been doing the work that she needs to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that she doesn't make me a liar. Now let's flip it and go to the men's side. Celine, since I started with Alan on the women's side, I get to start with you on the men's side. Who do you think is going to end up on that podium step I kind of want to see Tom Gibbons on the podium. That being said, I do know from his social media that he has had a bit of trouble with the motivation in 2020, but I think it would be pretty great if uh, Corey or um, Justin and Travis spent so much time marking each other that they forgot about Tom and he just swooped in and took it. (laughs) Never forget about Tom. You can't forget about Dre and you can't forget about Tom. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Alan, who do you think ends up on that podium on the men's side? Ugh, I mean, how can you, like, how do you pick just one guy? Uh, but I don't know if this will be a hot take or not, or even like what their general plans are, but I'm going to go with Michael Hernandez. Um, that dude's just a racer. I've seen him, you know, like hang tough and be there at the end of like, long hard road races and still have a sprint you know i mean who's on a volo so he's young he's just out of u23s but he's very experienced knows what he's doing and he's just straight up fast assuming that uh they kind of like split the the sprint power evenly on that team over the course of the whole season i think michael hernandez can do it i'm going with a slightly different direction because i'm biased i'm biased towards people who race bikes like me People who race bikes with Hail Marys and with just going out there and knowing, having this great sense of self-awareness, I want to see the breakaway specialists get the points, do what they need to do. So I'm going with Connor Mullervy from Cliff Bar because I think that we're going to see some marking with Best Buddies and with Legion And they're going to kind of sleep on these guys who are really good from 5, 10K out. So I want to put my mark down with Connor. Please don't make me look stupid in front of a live national audience, Connor. I know that's tough. No, I like that pick. Um, You know, it, it does seem like all the teams are sort of, well, not all of them, but all like the biggest biggest teams if you will are just like loading themselves up with these sprinters but i mean i would love to see like a majority of these races be won by breakaway guys i think that would be sick and just like maybe less exciting for the viewers but for the racers that'd be that'd be like just awesome kind of turn of events do you do you honestly think that the viewers want to see sprint finishes every single time 
or a majority of the time. Because, like, when I watch a world tour race, and now keep in mind, I watch way more crits than I watch a world tour race just because I love crits and I love kind of the American passion. And I also don't wake up normally early enough to watch a lot of world tour races. So that's just me. But like watching a a field sprint finish is a little anticlimactic for me. Yeah. It's really super cool for three seconds, maybe five seconds. I love to see that guy or that woman with their face just like twisted in agony and pain because they're at 190% of their threshold and they're just like, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to be able to hold this. And they do. Do you want to see the sprints every single time? I mean, my perfect world, I would be in a breakaway in those races. But, you know, at the same time, you know, talking from a racer's perspective, one of the best parts about the USA crits is that when it is going to come down to a sprint, those last eight laps are just like no other racing you've ever done. The intensity that you have to have, like the level of focus that you have to have just to like not crash at 30 miles an hour, basically, is so just like exciting and such an intense feeling that it's hard to beat. You know, as much as, like I just said, I would love to see a breakaway guy take it more often than not. The other part of me as a racer wants it to be those sprints and have that intensity every race. I loved Steven Ramirez from ButcherBox. His voice is beautiful. It's this baritone loveliness of even keel. But he said this to me in the episode that we did earlier in 2020. He was talking about people becoming a cat one. And he's like, congratulations, you're a cat one. You're the top 5% in the country. That's an incredible accomplishment and one that people should aspire to. Turn up for a USA Crits event. You're in the top 1% of the top 1% in the country. And you're racing against the best people arguably in the world in this discipline of crit racing. Celine, are you ready to be in that top 1% lining it up for a sprint? Am I ready? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to you're going to show up at Blue Dome on July 11th or 12th, I can't remember the exact day, Friday night in Tulsa. There's going to be crazy people all over the place. Are you ready for it? I mean, <laughs> It'll be, that'll be my first USA crit ever. So I'll preface with that. But then I will also toot my own horn and say that I've been working my ass off all of 2020. I'm like that end of the, uh, the sliding scale of the no training to only training. I am like past the only training. (laughs) I'm, I'm probably as ready as I can be going into 2021. Um, but I also will say that the only way to get better at racing the best is to race the best. So I'm not going to hold back. (laughs) If you spent any amount of time on Instagram over the last like five months, pretty much once people realized that like USA crits was a thing that was going to happen, it seems like a lot of people are super motivated to be that like 1% of 1%. And that's why we need to bridge here to nationals. And who walks away this year with the Stars and Stripes jersey? As we talked last week with Adam Meyerson, they've changed or kind of massaged the rules on the men's side for who can qualify for the men's pro crit championship. So it is broader than it has been in the past. Not only do you have the UCI licensed pros, you've got the domestic elite teams and D1 teams, assuming that you're a cat one male, you can race. The women's race remains the same as it ever was, which means it's a pro open or a pro am open for the women. The interesting thing is we won't have a lot of the usual suspects at the women's crit championships because Emma White reigning champion is probably out getting ready for the uh, Olympics in the track. Same with Lily Williams. So there you go. You've got your top two already out the door. You've got to look at who's next. 
who are other women who have been lighting it up on some of the best teams in the country who aren't necessarily racing USA, Chris, because they want to do something else. You, you got to look at somebody like Skylar Schneider from Legion of Los Angeles. Yes, USA Crits, but not coming from a USA Crits big team where it's only two of them in Skylar and in Kendall. Celine, what are you feeling? What are you thinking right now about the best woman in the country? Who do you think that is? And if it's Summer Moke again, so be it. Uh, well, it's it's just hard to say. Uh, there's so many women that it could be, and so many of the strongest women in the country are within like 0.001% of one another's abilities. And we're all only human, so someone could be having a bad day. I mean, so much can happen leading into the race. Uh, again, I think it's a crapshoot. Like someone's going to have a really good day and be really well prepared and their race is going to go perfect and that's who it's going to be. But I think it's pretty much impossible to call it from from here. What about on the men's side, Alan? Who do you think is going to show up and be the best in Knoxville at the Pro Crit Championship? Keep in mind, we don't know if Justin is going to show up because he's already made a statement that he's thinking of racing with a Belize license. He has familial connections. He's got long ties to Belize. You know, he may opt to go in that direction. So who who's next? Who is the person who's ready to wear the one true ring jersey? I mean, it's just... I've. Having not raced to that Knoxville course before, but, uh, you know, watched every minute of the 2019 crit, it was very interesting. It seems like it's a hard course for for breakaways to get away on, and it's just a hard course, period. Tell us why. You know, what is it about that course that you think makes it hard for five guys, two guys, three guys to get away? I mean, from what I saw, it looks very hilly. It's like surprisingly hilly, so and long straightaways right after the downhill. So you might be able to, you know, open up a couple second gap going up that climb to the finish line. But then coming down that descent, you know, everybody knows that the bunch is going to have the advantage there just because they have a group. And then it's kind of like that long straightaway and left-hander where they'll keep you in sight. And, you know, as long as they can see you, they're going to try and bring you back. So you have to be just like out of this world strong. And have four or five guys that way to to get away and stay away. So I'd be extremely surprised if that happened this year for 2021. Um, so to pick a winner, I mean, yeah, I hate to to not pick anybody, but it is a sort of thing where where's everybody everybody going to be at? You know, especially with nationals being so early on in like the calendar or not calendar year, but race schedule year. There's not a lot of time for people to really kind of get their race legs under them. That being said, I think, you know, the Legion guys have had probably more opportunity to race than anybody else has. And, you know, they are all just ridiculously strong. So with kind of that finish in mind, I think Tyler Williams is going to be, is going to be a tough guy to beat on that day. He's looking like he's like he is has proven that he uh That is an awesome pick. I mean, he's got those dad watts now. Dad watts are good for at least fifteen or twenty extra watts. Um it might actually even be fifteen or twenty percent. I'm not really sure. I've got Adam Mills crunching the numbers for me right now from Source Endurance. Personally, I'm looking at Skylar Schneider from Legion that she picks up her Stars and Stripes jersey this year. I want to go with an outsider here on the men's side. I don't know if they're going to be at the race yet. I should have found out from Eric whether or not Project Echelon was going to line up for the pro crit. That's a good one. I really, and this is probably going to be rosy glasses sort of thing. (laughs) Zach Gregg. Dude, I think that if Zach lines up in the crit and he gets things right, he gets things dialed in, 
There is nobody better than him in just a race of attrition. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's hard. I mean, because Project Echelon kind of like sneaks underneath because they're the consummate professional guys who are just doing their hard turns and getting their results and all of that. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, they're awesome. Let's talk about the other races for 2021, the other big PRT or other series is that we love and want to be a part of. So obviously the tour of America's Dairyland, 11 days of racing in Wisconsin. You can get all the cheese curds that you possibly can dream of and Schlitz beer. What is better with bike racing than that? Intelligentsia, nine days in Chicago, You've got it. You it, it Gateway Cup, Speed Week, all of this stuff is coming back, and it's like addicting, and it's like it's like right into my veins. Just inject it there, Celine. You have you want to be a part of a lot of these races. I know you plan on being at them. What is it about these big, longer crit series, Gateway Cup included, that are drawing you to them, that are saying, like, the sirens of old, Scylla and Charybdis, calling Celine to these events? I I can't quite say for sure, except uh, I think I tend to do better um, at events that is just day after day after day, and I think I get smarter and just kind of improve over time. Whereas I think a lot of people who maybe don't have the gravel background that I do and only train for um, like shorter races kind of tend to fall apart towards the end. At least um, in 2019, I feel like I got faster as the races went on. So I think that works to my advantage. And also just having yeah, just day after day, like day one, you learn something day two, you can immediately apply it. And then day two, you learn something day three, you can immediately apply it. You learn a lot about your competitors and their habits, what they like to do when they like to go. Um, and you can kind of adapt day by day. And yeah, just keep improving as it goes on. It's a lot less like everything hinges on this one race. And then I don't get to race again for three weeks. When we talk about these series you're bringing in teams that aren't a part of USA Crits. So there's two that I think are kind of critical on the women's side. One is LA Sweat. Another one is CWA. And CWA has won basically everything that they've touched this year in the South Florida scene. Why is it that these teams are doing these Omnium-type events as compared to one-off races? I think from a logistical standpoint, it makes a lot more sense. And neither of these teams are low-budget teams at all. Like They've both been around for a long time. Um, Their directors have a lot of experience. Um, They're able to recruit really strong riders. So it's not like they're not able to do the USA crits. I think it's 100% just the choice of getting the best bang for your buck. Like, Like I said earlier, you travel once and then you're in one spot for two weeks and you just get to race every single day and bring in a bunch of money. (laughs) I don't think that there's ever been uh, an easier or more apt way to describe CWA as not a low budget team. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they are sponsored by Capital Wealth Advisors. And, you know, there's there's a lot of money and a lot of really great talent that comes there. Alan, your team, CS Velo, is is known for being a part of races like this, of showing up at Gateway, uh, showing up to the biggest crits that can possibly go on. Are you guys talking amongst yourselves about which races outside of USA crits that you want to be at your best for? Uh, I mean, I don't want to drag those events down at all, but not really. You know, we are fully committed to the USA Crits series. And like we said, the the schedule is so condensed this year, you know, just weekend after weekend after weekend, that you kind of have to prioritize the, those races if you want to be successful in the overall. I think those are weekends or weeks that we'll definitely still put guys into, but they won't be 
as much of a focus as the USA Crit series are for us. Can we call a race America's race? I love to hate the Dallas Cowboys and when they were called America's team in the early 90s or how, you know, Detroit named itself Hockey Town. Sorry, Red Wings, I haven't seen you win a Stanley Cup in, I don't know, my lifetime. But Sonny King, Anniston, Alabama, July 4th weekend. Can that for 2021 be America's race? I mean, can you be much more American? Can I just like go down there right now, set up the grill, get the hot dogs out, get my old style beer because it's fire brewed. It's way better than cold or ice brewed. Come on, Coors, get to it. Can Sonny King be America's race? Celine. I mean, if there's like a parking lot tailgate and fireworks, I don't see why not. What goes into the requirements for you, Alan, to make it America's race? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Like she said, tailgate fireworks, those are must haves. As many people on the course as humanly possible. Basically, in my mind, I think Tulsa. So I don't know how they kind of let that 4th of July weekend go. I guess just because it's going to be really hot. Do you guys know the different the distance, excuse me, for Anniston, Alabama, where Sonny King is, and Talladega? The iconic Will Ferrell location for Talladega Nights. I mean, the they're like right next to each other. I mean, like if I could ever, you know, do a spoof of bike racing, with Will Ferrell as a main character, I feel like Anniston, Alabama is the place to do it. With that in mind, is the course just like a straight up four corner crit? Because I feel like that also would have to be on the checklist of America's race. You know, it's not like some figure eight. It's not a six corner crit. It's like down and dirty, four corners, two straights, like as fast as you can go. Average speed going to be 33 miles an hour. I mean, we can totally make that a, a a requirement in years to come. Let's let's end the show on the highest note possible by creating the most controversy we can possibly create. Bill Shiken, CX Harris himself, has lent us the algorithm for the power rankings that he does in cyclocross. He didn't really so much lend it to us as I just kind of drove over to his house, snuck into the basement. Not the super best security that we could possibly talk about, but like I got in there. He has a massive pit bull, but the pit bull is just like really friendly and nice and just rolled over and showed me his belly. So like getting the algorithm was not that hard. So we have the algorithm here and we're ready to talk about the top five power rankings for men and women for this week. Now, the beauty with power rankings is that, one, they're completely objective because the algorithm is employed, and two, they are fungible. They move from week to week. So somebody that's number one in the power rankings in one week might fall completely out because he or she just screws the pooch, or somebody jumps from nothing to somebody. Now, I think I said five Uh, Five is unfair because there's three of us, so two times through three is six. So we probably should do the top six. Each of us gets a say in who is in the power rankings top six. And I will take it upon myself to sort through those and to name the top three. That way I can get all the hate on Twitter Uh, because Celine, I know you're not on Twitter, so you don't have to deal with the hate. I'll take all the hate from those people who go, well, the algorithm said this, this, this. You know, I can't believe that. So let's start on the women's side, and we'll just go round robin, left to right, as my screen has it. So Celine, myself, and then Alan. Alan, you'll go again in the second round first because it's serpentine because I'm making this as complicated as I possibly can. Celine, tell me, who do you think belongs in the top six? I'm going to punch it into the algorithm as we go. I know it's so hard to choose, um, especially I'm just going to start off with an with an honorable mention for Olivia Ray, 
because I know she just had an injury and is going in for surgery. And had that not happened, she would have been a favorite for sure. And I just, yeah, I hope she makes a quick recovery because I was pretty stoked to see her uh, ripping it up out there. But since that happened, I'm going to go with Summer Moak, um, completely unbiased, and Skylar Schneider. Okay, so you've already screwed up the rules completely, but we'll we'll roll with it. <laughs> I'm up next here. I'll go for one. Alan, you go for one. You go for a second, and I'll pick it up. Oh, that's okay. That's bad. okay. You my clearly bad. have never listened to the <laughs> Slow Ride podcast, and you, you're probably better for it. So, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Katie Sorrell of Classic PB because she won a bike race recently. She sent me a video. She looked powerful and impressive, and because of that, I'm putting her into the power rankings. Alan, who's next? Uh, keeping with the algorithm and the what have you done for me lately? Uh, I'm going to go with Lauren Kuhn. She has placed well in some races. It looks like she's won a couple races, some local stuff. But, you know, once you win, you get that in your blood. The legs the legs know what they're doing. You couldn't complete this list without bringing up CWA because, I don't know, they win everything in South Florida. And so it's kind of like throw a dart at CWA and figure out who you want to win. I think Emily Ehrlich because she won the most races for CWA, I believe, recently, should be the team representative for CWA. So I put these into into the the algorithm, and your top three, three, two, one, Emily, Summer Moak, and then Skylar Schneider taking the top cake, because she's not only been racing with the women, but she's been out there racing with the men. So you get double points for doubling up. That's just the way that it works. Now let's flip this script and go right to left on the screen for the men. So Alan, start us off with who do you think on the men's side? The man who changed nothing, Danny Estevez. A a mid-season, early-season swap of teams, but... We know we know he's got good legs. What's he gonna do for the uh, the best buddies guys? Tom Gibbons automatic because without Tom Gibbons in the list, it would be a powerless rankings. Says Tom. Sorry, Tom. Bother borrowing your statement. Go ahead, Celine. You get two because we're doing serpentine, so you get to go back. So you're technically third and fourth. Oh man! So I was just ahead of the game last time. Is what happened. That's how it works. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm gonna go with Eric Marcotte. I think anyone from Best Buddies is a safe bet. And then I think Lucas Strain from Good Guys. The man who spends so much time painting bikes. They're bo- they're gorgeous bikes, by the way. So Lucas, congrats. Yeah, he's a he's an artist on and off the bike. I will bring out the one that I think we've been missing here so far, which is Justin Williams. Because you cannot discount the amateur national champion in Justin Williams. So, Alan, bring us home. Who is the the sixth and final member of the power ranking? So, we've named a lot of sprinters so far. I'll go with someone who isn't a sprinter. Well, I don't think he would claim to be a sprinter, although he did get the better of a bunch of the best buddies teams pretty recently. Connor Sally of ButcherBox. Yeah, him taking that win at the Tour of South Florida over like a, you know, fully firing best buddy squad. Super impressive. Um, obviously, the legs are good. So, and, you know, another guy who's been on the USA crit scene for a while. He's, he's hot. I want to throw out one honorable mention. Uh, it takes a lot for a junior to beat Ty Magner and Thomas Gibbons. But Artem, Artem Schmidt, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. From Hot Tubes, that that's a legit win at Commerce, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. The good thing about that little pause right there is allowed me to plug the names into, into the algorithm, and we come out with our top three. Connor Saley from ButcherBox, Tom Gibbons, never sleep on the USA Crits champ in second, and Danny Estevez from, but- from ButcherBox slash Best Buddies now, Guys, I think we've nailed it here. I think we've nailed a great preview of 2021. Are you ready to come back for 
a, a recap show after we get done with Armed Forces? Oh yeah, there's going to be a lot to cover this year. Yeah, I'm on the same page. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Celine, so much for helping break down the preview of 2021. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fast and furious. Very jazzed for it. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on another episode of the show. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows. Today's episode was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly. We have our first ever merch available. There'll be a link to it here in the show notes, also on our website or on the Wide Angle Podium's website. You can get your very own hashtag Crit Beef shirt, bring it with you to Tulsa, bring it with you to Crit Championships, wherever you spectate, and show your support for your favorite Crit Racer. 20% of the profits will go to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. We started supporting that fund this summer in solidarity with Tom Gibbons and Automatic Racing, whose Miles for Change program also supported it. He inspired us. Thanks so much, Tom. Thanks so much to Adam Meyerson for allowing us to use the hashtag CritBeef. We've got a great show coming up for you next week. Travis McCabe, the 2019 Pro Crit Champ, will be here to talk about Best Buddies and talk about everything that's going on in his world and what he's looking forward to in 2021. So come back next week for more stories from our Criterium Nation. episode that was amazing when that one person said that thing and then the other person totally like set them straight oh man that was great i'm gonna have to go back and listen to that again but hey since i have your attention now hello cyclocross friends new friends and old friends and soon-to-be friends my name's bill i host another show on the wide angle podium podcast network it's called cyclocross radio and we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon to be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the Media Pit with my buddy Zach and Michael, where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to wideanglepodium.com become a member there then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to cyclocross radio do it do it now cyclocross friends